what are the three core elements, the three key components, and the one overriding thing you need to know to be successful in the voluntary benefits market? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. How can you be the first to know about each week's podcast and get on the list for special listener-only content? It's simple. Go to shiftshapersonline.com and click the subscribe button. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking to Sal Campanile. Sal is Vice President of Workplace Voluntary Benefits and Group Sales at Five Star Life. And we're going to talk a little bit about that marketplace, but in a broader context of how to create a more enriching and satisfying experience for consumers. So with that, welcome, Sal. Thank you for having me, David. It's our pleasure. Now, I know we don't talk a lot about companies, and, and you know the, the commandment here is no selling, but I think you guys are an interesting case because many people may not know this. Five Star is part of Armed Forces Benefit Association, and you served that market for years and years and years and years and years, and now you're taking a look at a broader market. I'm always interested in how one market might affect another. What have you learned juxtaposing those two or looking at those two? Well, that's a great question. You know, I think one of the things that helped drive, you know, I don't want to call it a transition, but it was a bit of a pivot to add a third wheel, if you will, inside the AFBA enterprise to cover the employer group worksite segment was taking a look at our years of dedicated service in specifically the military active and retiree distribution that then became the government, which then became the Department of Defense, which then became the first responders, which we realized we were already doing, you know, the quote unquote employee benefits space, but we just weren't doing it on a dedicated basis. And it just made sense for us to make that transition into that area. One of the things that helped inform that was some of the obvious value add that the Armed Forces Benefit Association had inside of its portfolio that included some unique products and things like that. But, you know, specifically it was more about the mission, you know, the broader perspective that they brought to the way that they wanted to serve consumers and the value that they brought to that part of the bargain. And that's something that's helped drive and deliver a lot of what the initiatives are that we take you know, on and take very seriously inside the five-star life worksite side of the house. Because as five-star, we are the quote-unquote insurance company that drives and delivers product and underwriting and that kind of good stuff for the Armed Forces Benefit Association. So, you know, part and parcel, we're all one and the same, but it, we operate uniquely and differently from our you know, brethren here within the, the four walls here at the Armed Forces Benefits Association slash Five Star. And it's been a great mix because it's really helped enable us to take a different approach and a different look at the way we do business and the people that we work with and interact with on a daily basis. So let's dig in and talk about some of those differences and some of the things that we discussed off air. The first thing that you identified is you said there are three core elements, and I'd like to take them one at a time. And the first is understanding and appreciating value. 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, there's value is fairly tough to define, but it's one of those things like art appreciation. You don't know, you can't explain it, but you know it when you see it. And I think value in the employee benefit space as it relates to voluntary products, you know, takes on that same type of coloring. I've been involved in the voluntary benefit space now for 20 plus years. And in that time, I've seen a lot of transitions, you know, one where it became a life insurance oriented or, you know, type of an enterprise to looking more broadly at how we're able to affect the overall employee benefit conversation to really being much more supplemental in the health insurance space. And then, of course, as a part of that, you know, the bigger value isn't necessarily always in the product. It's in the process that comes along with it. And I think that's truly where people are able to divine the value, quote unquote, in the voluntary benefits value proposition. You know, it's all about education, learning, understanding, helping people make informed choices, not just in what they decide to take advantage of, enroll themselves and their family members in, but also, you know, utilization, how they can come to rely upon those products, the smart way as a consumer. And that's really what you want to help drive is, you know, raising that intelligence quotient of that consumer so they understand not only what it is that they have, but how they use it and how they can use it for their own benefit. And that makes it successful for them as an end consumer, but it also helps you as the benefit provider and it helps, you know, obviously everybody else that's involved in that process as well. The broker, the employer, everybody wins. The second one of those core elements that you identified is plan design. Now we talk a lot about plan design and some people say, well, plan design doesn't really matter. Plan design does matter. Product doesn't matter. What are the key things in plan design that make it number two in the three core things that advisors ought to look for? You know, I think it's easy to say that you know, product, quote unquote, doesn't matter. You know, it's easy to dismiss it and say it's a widget and the widget's easily interchangeable and all that kind of good stuff. But it does matter at the end of the day. And the big aspect of that is the plan design. It has to be done with a nod towards not just what you're trying to achieve today, but, you know, really doing that broader step back and look and say, where do we want to be two, three, five, maybe even seven years down the road? And with that, I mean, you know, within the context of the overall employee benefit and compensation conversation within the group, where do they want to be? Do they want to try to transition to a different approach with their health care? Do they want to maybe move to a more defined contribution environment? Do they want to maybe start taking a look at exchange-based opportunities? as it pertains to employee benefit offerings. And the plan design can help drive a lot of that and make that possible. And by that, I think, at least from my own personal perspective, you know, it's, it's again, finding the value inside the plan design because you can educate people and you can help drive them to be a more effective and efficient consumer. But there has to be something in it for them. Otherwise, you know, we're not really sure what we're doing this for. So plan design is important, but it has to work within the context of the broader benefit portfolio that an employee has access to. You know, treating it as its own special event may help, you know, actually a little bit with the educational component, but it doesn't necessarily help ingratiate the employee to understand their overall benefits package and how these voluntary products can supplement and support the broader initiatives like well care and, you know, things like that, that an employer has on the table that they're dealing with. And the third one of those components that we talked about as core elements is non-insured benefits as an approach for advisors to use. I think that's something that's gathering a lot of traction right now, David, in that those non-insured plans, which would include things like telemedicine, client advocacy, you know, bill savers, things like that, that are becoming a real issue with today's consumer. You know, we're reaching the point right now, which I would call really a saturation point when it comes to utilization on some aspects of health insurance. And some of those things can be overcome by 
that educational campaign that we talked about originally as part of that value proposition and voluntary benefits helping to make the consumer more informed and help driving them towards making smart choices. But some of the non-insured benefits can take it a step further because through, say, for example, telemedicine as an approach, it enables people to not have to go to the doctor. If they don't feel like they need to or they're not sure they can go ahead and they can engage with a telemedicine specialist that can help answer some very basic questions. Now, it doesn't replace the actual benefits of going to see a doctor, but in that specific example, it can go a long ways to helping people and understand and maybe be a little more responsible for their own wellness and well care, as well as some of their active care issues that they come across on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's where, again, we're getting back to that first point that we talked about, which is value. And those non-insured benefits definitely go a long way to helping round out the plan design and making that as rich an experience as possible. But it's been my experience where, you know, those had been, for the most part, kind of set aside as nice to have but not really needed. But, you know, as we're moving and transitioning into an environment now where more than ever we have, you know, larger deductibles, you know, more out-of-pocket responsibility for the consumer and things like that as it pertains to their health insurance and other ancillary lines of coverage, that those non-insured benefit plans are getting more and more importance because people need to come to rely on those. We can only ask the consumer to shoulder so much. I mean, they need to have make sure they have the tools and the resources. So, number one, they can have the tools to help them be responsible. But more importantly, when they need it, they don't need to go broke in the process. So, those non-insured plans can go along way to helping ensure that happens. And now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing healthcare costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. While we're talking about things that come in threes, I know you also like to talk about three key components that advisors need to bear in mind. That's customization, communication, and education. What are those things individually and how do they interrelate and why are they important? You know, within the context of that communication process, it's been my experience, David, and I spent 10 years working on the benefit communication side of things. So seeing the process as it pertains to, you know, the product, if you will, it opened my eyes because it made me realize that, you know, each opportunity is unique. Each group brings its own separate set of needs and requirements, and each group and each opportunity is is in their own different space, you know, where they're ready for this, but they're not ready for that, or maybe they have an opportunity for you to drive home some additional educational components or, you know, do something like that. So, you know, that pre-work that you talked about, that's going to be important. You know, the customization, the one-size-fits-all approach definitely doesn't work regardless 
of industry or group size or geography or any other kind of similar data analytics you might want to run. It's just not possible. You need to approach each one of them as its own so that way you can bring that unique approach because at the end of the day, David, voluntary benefits for good, better, or indifferent, it's always about solving for X. You know, there's always an X element that we need to drive to. And that's, you know, bringing a unique approach to it and a fresh approach to each group goes a long ways to helping ensure that you're going to help solve for that particular group's X factor. You know, what's that we're trying to get to? So given all of that, and there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of elements, how do you help consumers see their benefit package as a whole rather than just as a bunch of somewhat related or maybe in their minds not related coverages? You know, that's something that I think is a growing process inside our industry, David. You know, it's been, again, having been around the block a couple of times in the past 20 plus years, you know, I've seen the maturation of the benefit communication process within our industry where it's moved from life specific to now where we're really working more hand-in-hand with those health insurance plans and other ancillary benefits to help fill some gaps. And that's really part of that conversation, you know, that broader understanding of how these benefits fill a specific need, yes, but did you know this is why they're formed this way? I think that that was something that I always got a kick out of, you know, when I was on the benefit communication side of things, where you realize that groups themselves, you know, there's a very specific amount of due diligence that gets done in selecting the plans, but the employees don't always necessarily understand the thought process that goes into it, nor do they really need to, but they need to understand how it relates to them and that there is a real plan here. So, for instance, the transition to a higher deductible health insurance plan, and then that concurrently leads to offering of an accident or a critical illness plan or a hospital indemnity product, something that would then help indemnify those employees against some of this additional out-of-pocket expense. And with most employees, when you start rolling out higher deductibles or maybe higher consumer or patient responsibilities as it relates to out-of-pocket or coinsurance values, all they see is the sticker price and that bottom line of what their actual out-of-pocket is. And there's not a whole lot of positives to be taken out of that. So that goes back to what we just finished talking about, which is you know, helping to drive that communication process, customizing it so employees and employers alike are able to really get the most bang for that proverbial dollar so they can go into it with a broader understanding and appreciation of what they've already got, maybe changes that are being made strategically for their benefit to help make sure that their benefits package is, you know, comprehensive and competitive, affordably priced, and puts them in benchmarking where they're able to look at themselves against other similar groups so employees aren't leaving for better benefits somewhere else. But then you also have to introduce those additional products, and there has to be a context to it. And I think that's part of what happens during that communication process where when it's done correctly – and again, this is something that's organically been building over years within our, you know, industry here, David. When it's done correctly, you're able to really bring it all home and tie a neat, nice little bow around it. Whether you're enrolling the core benefits or not, the voluntary products play a very strong supplemental and supporting role to what we're doing on those bigger spend items for an employer. And whether it's helping them fight absenteeism or presenteeism, again, goes back to those non-insured benefits, you know, helping deliver some additional value add to what's already a fairly strong process in itself. So what are some real differentiators that resonate with consumers? It's easy to say that it's money because that's the most easily identifiable article for the consumers. You know, what's my cost and where am I going to realize benefits? But it isn't always about that. You know, sometimes, you know, at least in my experience, 
it's helping them, you know, maybe overcome, you know, a, a predisposed, a lack of appeal that some people might find in some benefit plans just from a lack of understanding or a lack of having received an educational background, you know, presented in a non-biased way where helping people understand what the actual choices are. You know, I think it all gets back to how we're going to be able to talk about the benefits themselves and in what context and what light we're going to be able to put it in that's going to help be able to drive that point. So if an advisor has a practice that traditionally has been more core and they haven't worked in this area, what are the steps that you would suggest they take to evaluate whether this fits with their practice and then to enable this within their practice? I think probably the best way would be to have an open and honest conversation with your clients. You know, find out strategically you know, where it is that they want to go. And I'm sure a lot of advisors are already having those kinds of conversations because they're good advisors and they have their clients' best interests at heart. But, you know, understanding maybe what's out there in the market would be helpful to have an advisor have an informed conversation on what they might be able to do. You know, understanding what's happening and some of the traditional shifts that we've had and also some of the larger shifts that we see on the horizon. I mean, the Affordable Care Act has given us an awful lot of challenge, but that's resulted in a lot of opportunity. That's a natural opportunity for an advisor to want to have a conversation with their producer, but understanding what's out there and what the actual choices are and how that can help them grow their business as well as, you know, help insulate themselves against what's feared by everybody, which is change. You know, I don't want to lose a client by being the first one to adopt, but there's a lot of great avenues out there that they could educate themselves on what the opportunities are for a voluntary benefits, you know, opportunity and how that can support and supplement what they're doing. And at the same time, you know, do a lot of good for their customers as well. Would you suggest for most practices that it would be best to have a voluntary benefits specialist, or is it something that a multi-part advisor can incorporate into what they're already doing easily? That's a tough one to answer because I've seen it successful in both ways. Where I've seen the greatest success is when you have that focus of the specialist. Because usually, and you know, I'll choose my words carefully, but usually that implies that that's someone who has the experience and the specialty background of voluntary benefits. I mean, I don't want to pat myself too hard on the back and those of my, you know, fellow brothers and sisters out there working in this space. We're not curing cancer, but it is a unique conversation that we have when we talk about voluntary benefits. It's different. The approach that we take is unique. I mean, we've already talked about some of the things that help drive the differences in our industry. You know, one is the approach, one is the customization, and so on and so forth. You know, I think that while I've seen it successful Nine times out of 10, it's more successful when they have that specialist that's dedicated to that space because it just enables them to have a more pointed conversation that focuses on voluntary because voluntary is there to support, not detract. And being able to approach from that context by the specialist, at least from my perspective and what I've seen historically, it's been more successful in those advisors' offices when they have a specialist handling those dialogue. For advisors who are in this market already, one of the things that I hear you hear, all of us on the education side here, is that we put all these great benefits in front of people who need them, but they don't buy. Why not? What's missing? Quite candidly, David, it's usually what's missing is the educational component. It's a myth to think that people wake up and roll out of bed and while they're taking a shower, getting ready for work, think, I need to, you know, employee benefits. It doesn't work that way. If it did, <laughs> I'm not sure there'd be much of a market for services like myself. But really, it boils back down to, you know, establishing the need. And by that, I don't mean, you know, giving people overwhelming statistics that tell them that they're all eventually going to die. So you need to confront your mortality. So therefore, let's take a look at life insurance or, you know, what the American Cancer Society statistics say about, 
you know, your chances of being diagnosed with cancer or another critical condition. So therefore, let's talk about healthcare indemnity or critical illness insurance. I think approaching it, you know, that holistic approach, like you and I were talking about earlier, about how benefits fit within the context and the framework of the larger employee benefits portfolio and that overall pay it benefit and comp philosophy that an employer has, but it still goes back to helping to create an informed consumer. There's been a shift, and this has been a shift that's been going for, gosh, at least the last 10 years where, you know, technology has been presented as this is the answer, quote unquote. You know, you can't talk to employees, employee access for communicating employee options in these voluntary benefit plans is drying up. So therefore, we need to bring technology in because they can ask a machine and the machine will tell them what they need to do. And that's just not the case. You know, it's still, you know, the old tried and true employee engagement, whether that's done remotely or whether that's done via benefit counselor assisted processes that would include either face-to-face or some kind of, you know, dynamic interaction through some kind of electronic means. There has to be a way to engage with the consumer to help them, number one, understand what's being offered. Number two, get that educational experience so they have a broader understanding and appreciation of what their current benefits are and then also how these new plans can help supplement and then get them to the point where they can make an informed decision. And I think that's one of the things that's overlooked is that we give them step one, but then we overlook step two and three because you know that breakdown in communication is not really all that helpful to helping employees, which they need to be able to you know, have that understanding before they can make the informed choice because, you know, they'll take the path of least resistance otherwise. And I think that's indicative in some of the results that we see right now is that we've decided to rely on technology, but really this is a communication-driven business. And unless we're able to bring that communication to the benefit offering process, then, you know, we'll continue to see, you know, some diminishing returns in some space just because of the over-reliance on technology or a self-driven you know, enrollment experience free from the context of that educational component that helps employees understand what it is that they've got and what they have an opportunity to enroll in and why they may want to consider it. I mean, those are all the things that help drive success in that space. And that's a great place to leave our interview for today. Sal Campanile, Vice President of Workplace Voluntary Benefits and Group Sales at Five Star Life. Sal, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience today. Thanks for having me, David. I've had a great time. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.